Live from Zurich, this is Bitcoin Explained. And with me today is not Aaron again, it's Christian Decker. Hey, thank you for having me. Well, but nice, this small city, you just hear and you meet all these people. Um, Yeah, so we were actually going to do sort of a retake of episode 35, in which we talked about Sigash uh, Anyprevout and L2. So if you want to prepare for this episode, you could listen to it, but you don't have to because we're just going to explain it again. It's an excellent time. episode, by the way, so okay. go and listen to it. Okay, uh, but I figured it's good if we have the expert and uh, and also the latest uh, state of things. Um, yeah, before the episode, we were trying to figure out what we want to do first, if we want to talk about uh, L2 first, or if we want to talk about Sigage and Prefout without even explaining what L2 is. And my guess is the listener will be more motivated to understand Sigage and Prefout if they know what it's useful for. At least that tends to motivate me. So maybe, is that a good idea? Yeah, absolutely. Um, Sikesh, uh, any provide is, is basically what uh, what Sikesh no input ca- uh, became after a couple of uh, iterations of, of improving it. Um, and Sikesh no input uh, was actually proposed by Joseph and Taj in the original lightning paper. I did not know that. Um, and all I really did was uh, was pick up the, the, the idea and basically run with it and uh, uh, I wrote the BIP proposal uh, which then AJ wrote up and uh, it turns out that it enables quite a few interesting use cases that we currently cannot do on Bitcoin itself and a whole bunch of other implement- uh, of other improvements were, were later proposed um, as alternatives or building on top of, of uh, Zcash no input. So the basic idea of uh, of L2 is basically that um, in Lightning we have this mechanism where we penalize misbehavior, and we do so quite heavily. Uh, so if uh, if I have a channel with you, um, and uh, and then I basically go back, then I give you the opportunity of of stealing the entirety of my funds. Yeah, and um, so that has a whole bunch of implications. So for example, it makes makes it really hard for me to. Uh, create backups and uh, and restore because restoring basically means that I would go back in in our history of agreements and uh, and I would then inadvertently cheat. Right, uh, because restoring is indistinguishable from cheating. Right. Exactly. Um, and so and maybe a quick rehash of of the Lightning channels. Right. So what you do is you put coins into a shared address, sort of, uh, so to speak, in a multi-sig address, once, and then you also have a transaction that takes it out in the same distribution as how it went in. And then that transaction that takes it out, you're not putting that on the blockchain, you're you're holding on to that. And you're updating that between the two parties so that I can shift some money to you and you can shift some money to me. And every time we do that, we create a new transaction, which is a real Bitcoin transaction. But the fundamental problem that was very hard to solve is that, um, well, they're all real transactions. So how do you, the blockchain has no preference about which one it is. And I think Satoshi first tried to deal with that by having sequence numbers and just saying, well, the most recent sequence number is the one that's valid, but uh, it turns out that miners can just ignore the sequence number. Exactly. And have, and also it requires you to be really quickly, I think, because uh, if, so you have the mempool where somebody cheats, they put something in the mempool and then it goes into a block unless somebody else uh, uh, broadcasts a competing transaction that would go into the block. So if, if I were to cheat and you were to try and, and send the real one, but you know my transaction is confirmed in two seconds because I got lucky, then I just won. 
and you cannot undo what's already in a block. That would be very expensive. Exactly. So yeah, the, the original end sequence uh, uh, scheme already contains the basic idea, right? Quickly iterating over the, what, uh, what a transaction looks like and uh, renegotiating what the, what the sort of distribution of funds is at the end of, uh, of the lifetime of our channels and uh, basically having later versions override what, what prior versions uh, were doing. Uh, with end sequence, it was replacing the entire transaction um, and that turned out to be hard, not just from the, from the user perspective, but, um, but there also is no way for, uh, for us to prove that a miner ignored later sequence number because there is no no sort of uh global knowledge that a later sequence number was even available when the uh, when the miner mined their blocks and so right it's it's really hard to prove anything when you when you work with with n sequence numbers so miners could be could get incentivized to actually renege on this on this social contract of always using the latest sequence numbers by basically me approaching them and saying that uh, telling them hey i, I give you like 10 percent of whatever i'm about to steal from this guy if you, if instead you uh, confirm an older version, right? Yeah. And the uh, the way that we that we later solve this in uh, in, in Lightning Penalty is exactly by uh, basically allowing the uh, allowing the settlement to be sort of split in two parts, right? There is the uh, there is the initial settlement where we send one of our previous uh, one of our agreements where we don't know yet whether it's the latest one or not. To the blockchain, we we allow it to to be confirmed, and uh, then we basically have a period where we allow the counterparty to react if we misbehaved, to basically present proof of that misbehavior to the blockchain, which in our case acts a, a bit like a judge. Mm -hmm. And uh, when we uh, when we present proof of of this misbehavior, then we are allowed by the blockchain, the judge, to actually grab the funds from our counterparty yeah which is you know i still think that's a pretty cool mechanism uh, at least to solve this particular problem but it turns out there is a better way yeah so um well it's a different way uh oh, okay I, a better I, I a different way i don't know if it's if it's strictly better but uh, i like it a bit more um because okay. it, it sort of uh, it, it feels it feels more correct to me um, and uh, the the idea here is instead of having basically uh, you misbehave and I punish you, um, I can I I can basically go and uh, and present proof that there is a later state, um, there is a later agreement that we that we uh, that we had, and I can basically put that onto uh, present that to the to the judge and then uh, and then instead of the old revoked one, we are now working with the newer one. Uh, so Right, so instead of there's no punishment there, it's just you're just updating, you're just putting up a newer version. Exactly, so so my my basically correction is actually uh, rectifying this uh, the, the, the misbehavior or the, mis uh, the disagreement that we had and we actually move forwards towards the latest uh, agreement that we had. Right. And, and and you can skip any of the intermediate steps too, right? All you need to know is that it's more recent. Exactly, and the the, the skipping part here is uh, is the key to this whole puzzle, where the any prevout and no input and and all of these proposals uh, now come in, um, and uh, that that allow us to make all of this basically really efficient. Right, because in the original protocol, you have to 
like this punishment transaction, you have to remember it for every previous state. Or not the whole transaction, but the, some sort of punishment secret for every previous state. Even if you've done like a million transactions on your channel, you need to remember a million different ways that you can punish your opponent if they broadcast any of those earlier ones. And now with this magic that we'll explain in a bit, uh, you don't. You just need to make sure you have the most recent one or a fairly recent one uh, in case of a backup. Like, of course, if it's not the most recent one, it might not completely work to your advantage, but it's it's okay if you lose some, and it's okay if you broadcast one that's not super old. So you don't get punished, and you don't have to hold on to a whole bunch of state. Exactly. Very so, carefully. So so uh, so the issue is that if we if we want to prove to the judge that a specific uh, agreement uh, was uh, was wrong, we have to have a tailor made basically proof for that being wrong, and that that is where the entire sort of uh, idea come uh, comes from of, of having to remember every single revoked state in eternity until the channel is closed and that that is a a, a major downside of of lightning penalty because uh you you suddenly have to be uh, be able to produce those tailor-made proofs that my counterparty misbehaved um on uh, on a whim and i have to have them have them ready and uh, i might even have to sort of outsource those if I myself cannot be present all the time. Uh, so if, for example, you run a watchtower, then uh, you would actually have to remember uh, a, a linear amount of, uh, of, of data for the channel lifetime. Whereas with L2, what we have is basically we have this wildcard uh, where a later, a later state that we agreed upon can be attached to any of the prior ones sort of directly jumping to the conclusion of what our current state is mm -hmm. um, but uh, at the same time it also doesn't doesn't mean to be the, uh, the the last state so we could for example initiate a close with l2 but keep updating this uh, the, 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 cha the channel until a, a different timeout runs out or we basically don't want to speak to each other again then we can then we can just uh, stop making updates and it all just flows naturally onto the blockchain and, and gets all resolved without any issues. And the magic thing that kind of makes that possible is this proposed software, I think, called Sigash Any Prefout. And if I understand it correctly, like, well, it's good to illustrate that normally with Bitcoin transactions, there's two things you're doing. You're, you're saying, I'm spending this previous transaction. And you're saying, okay, here's the solution to the script of the previous transaction. So there's really two keys that, that you need to provide, and and that's still true. But your signature, um, and like normally your signature covers all those things. So if you've made a signature, you cannot then apply that to any other transaction. Um, but with this proposal, the signature does not cover uh, the link to the previous transaction. It does just covers the script that you're doing. So you're kind of creating a signed Lego puzzle piece that you can put onto any other Lego puzzle piece. Well, any compatible Lego puzzle piece. Is that a good way to say it? Exactly. So, so in in effect, what we what we do in the classical signatures uh, in a, in a classical transaction scheme in in Bitcoin is we have this double linking between uh, between uh, output being spent and the transaction spending it, and uh, that is indeed done by basically pointing to where the funds come from, and then providing a script that matches exactly the uh, the conditions that were uh, that were set up when creating those outputs. So usually that would be, hey, to, in order to be spent, I need a signature from uh, pubkey XYZ. And by um, and and once you 
create a transaction, uh, a signature that is specific to the output that we uh, that you are spending. And what uh, what Zcash AnyPrivout does is uh, it basically removes that uh, that tight coupling between signature and the specific funds that uh, that you're spending. But since the script is still there, you uh, you now rely on the pattern of the script still being compatible with the script that is spending it but you can replace uh you can swap out the the actual funds that are being referenced in that and so what uh, what happens is exactly as you as you point out is now that we have this sort of generic pin where we can attach other lego bricks to lego bricks in this case being the transactions i like that similarity i i will use that in future uh, as well yeah and um, and by doing so, we can uh, we can actually have uh, have the very nice properties that L two gives you, uh, namely that uh, that we can skip intermediate states. Yeah, uh, right. You can skip them without having to have um, uh, yeah the evidence the, the basically the the pr uh, one transaction poor thing that you can connect to. Exactly. Uh, yeah. Um, so it might be uh, fun to go into the nitty gritty of how that what that script actually looks like. Right, so it's this, if I understand it correctly, the script is saying uh, I can spend anything that is has a sequence number above uh, twenty five or something like that. Is that right, or is it? Yeah. So so uh, so what we create basically with uh, with L two is a very long chain where each individual agreement is represented by by what's called an update transaction. So every time we uh, we uh, come to uh, come to an agreement about uh, what our next stage should look like. For example, I'm sending you one Bitcoin, so your, your your balance increases by one, mine decreases by one. Um, we now attach a new update transaction to this very long chain of uh, of update transactions. Um, now, if we were to basically just use that structure, then we um, then we would have to replay all of these update transactions on chain when settling, because uh, from state zero we go to one, to two, to three, to four, and five. Yeah. So we that wouldn't we wouldn't have earned anything right no that if, beats the purpose uh, that defeats the whole purpose of of doing things off chain exactly yeah. and uh, and so what we what we want to do is instead skip this uh, these intermediate uh, transactions and so each of these uh, each of the outputs that we create from those uh, from those update transactions uh, actually has a, a state number in it uh, so the first one is zero one two three four five and uh, what we do then is uh, basically any update can uh, can be attached to any prior update, and so uh, what we have in in the uh, in the transaction spending uh, the output, um, uh, we we have a check that basically the sequence number that we are attaching to is smaller than uh, uh, than our current uh, state number. And that is basically there, so that uh, so that I can't basically go back in in time and uh, and apply something newer uh, or older than uh, than what I'm supposed to. So you mm -hmm. can't have a sequence like uh, we're in state 100, and then I go to state 90, and since all of those outputs look the same, I could theoretically take 90 and attach it to 100, thus going back 10 uh, 10 steps in our history. Yeah, that'd be quite annoying, cause exactly. especially because then you could go back and forth. Um, exactly. We could we could have this infinite chain of uh, of going back and forth and and never actually make any progress and settle 
things we would just we would just be spending loads of of coins on uh, in on-chain fees because well i i do something and then you have a favorite state where you had more money so you are applying that one and then i go back to my state where i had the most money yeah. and and so we 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 have to make sure that there there is this uh this constant progression forward and that's exactly where the state numbers come in because we then can make sure that we can only attach later states to newer states ensuring that eventually we get to the last one that we agreed upon and that will eventually settle as well right and the state number is just the i think the end sequence field that is part of a transaction right so so or is it um it's a bit more complex so the um or is it specified in the output script so in the output script, we can uh, put the number directly because uh, that is actually covered by the signature that created that uh, mm-hmm. that transaction. Um, for the input where we say, okay, I am actually state 100, I can attach to anything before 100, um, that, would have, that would have to be in the input script. Mm-hmm. Problem is, the input script containing the signature itself cannot be covered by the signature. Otherwise, we'd have the circular reference where... Uh, I am trying to create an input script containing a signature which has to sign the input script. So uh, that, that doesn't really work. And so we use a little a little trick where we say, okay, what, what parts of the transactions are actually covered by the signature so that we, so that we don't have to put it in, uh, into, the, into the script itself. And it turns out the end lock time is. So, right. the, so the end lock time is part of the transaction um, where we have a number which is covered by the signature, so any uh, any person cannot really modify that. And uh, we can, with op uh, check lock time verify, we can do comparisons between numbers. And so what we do is basically state 100 as n lock time 100, which is far, far, far in the past. So it doesn't really have its effect as locking for a certain time right because it's like 1970 exactly but uh, what we can do is we uh, it uh, executing check uh, lock time verify will pull that onto the stack and we can perform a comparison between two numbers without anybody being able to unilaterally change those numbers and that's how we enforce the the ordering of uh, of transactions in in all of this right so one lego block one lego block that represents the uh, update state. I guess what it contains is uh, well, obviously the uh, the input uh, doesn't have an amount, right? It just points to any previous version. Exactly. And then the output says, okay, this is the new amount. Yeah. Um, yeah. And the minimum version. There, there is a bit of trickery going on here, of course, because uh, if we were to pay any fees for uh, in these updates. We suddenly would have to uh, ever uh, ever decreasing amounts that that are uh, available to to the outputs, and so even uh, even being able to skip the intermediate steps, we would slowly leak capacity of our uh, of our channels, and uh, so we have another trick there, uh, which is actually what what Rusty came up with, um, namely that these uh, these update transactions are single uh, single input single output transactions, and so we can use SIGHash single to just sign that part of the transaction. Right, so SIGHash single, if I understand it correctly, it, the signature covers the input and, uh, the, sorry, the first input and the first output, or the, well, the, the nth input and the nth output. Exactly, the corresponding ones at the same height. Yeah. And uh, it, it leaves the rest of the transaction basically modifiable. And so uh, the we, rest of the, 
Oh, both the inputs and the outputs are modifiable. Yeah, you can so add more. Exactly. So, so you can add more. Particularly, you can add fees. So, uh, so uh, the, the the update transactions themselves don't actually pay any fees, but we can modify them as su uh, such that they can pay fees. And this is quite nice in practice, right? Because the fee weather is hard to predict. So, with the current oh yes, yeah, one of the complications in Lightning is that you have to constantly agree on what fee to put on all these transactions that may not be broadcast for several months and you have no idea what the fee weather is going to be in several months so then you need to you know basically agree on what you think the fee weather is going to be over the last time and i, I remember at least in the early days lightning channels would just spontaneously close because lightning nodes could not agree on what the fee weather would be in the future and so they would say well if we can't agree on what the future is going to bring then we should just close this channel right now exactly um, and that has been partially mitigated with all sorts of fancy things like anchoring outputs, I think. Yo, what is going on, guys? We are proud to have Voltage as a sponsor of this episode. How many of you developers out there have wanted a streamlined infrastructure provider for your particular project? Well, I'll tell you what. Voltage is the Bitcoin infrastructure provider you have been looking for that makes building on Bitcoin quick and easy, whether it's Bitcoin nodes, Lightning nodes, BTC pay, and so much more. But don't take it from me. Just ask the guys over at Amboss, Sphinx, Podcast Index, and Thunder Games, and so many others that you guys already know and love. Their enterprise-grade products make it fast and easy to build, deploy, and scale your next project. So make it easy on yourself. Even Normie plebs can use the dashboard or API. Don't wait before the next block confirmation. Let your team focus on building great products and let Voltage handle all the rest. Voltage is your go-to zero management Bitcoin infrastructure solution. Yo, what is going on, plebs? We're going to take a break from our programming to tell you about the resurrection of our print magazine, starting with the El Salvador issue. Starting this fall, Bitcoin magazine will be available on newsstands nationwide and at retail stores such as Barnes & Noble. Don't want to get off your couch, though? No problem. You can also go to store.bitcoinmagazine.com. So skip the line and get each issue shipped directly to your front door with our annual subscription. I'm talking four issues a year that contain exclusive interviews and profiles with leading Bitcoiners, actionable insights on the state of the market, breaking news and cultural trends, along with powerful photos and artwork from the best artists in the world. Subscribe today and get 21% off using code podcast at checkout. That's P-O-D-C-A-S-T, podcast at checkout. Yeah, so, so, so the anchor outputs is basically the, uh, the, the idea of bring your own fees, backport it to the, uh, to, to the LN penalty mechanism. Why can't it use the same um, single, uh, sorry, what was it? Sigash single S Sigash solution? Single, yeah. Uh, the issue is that uh, that that hash changes. that that basically uh, requires you to have single input, single output transactions, uh, and and so it might work for HDLC transactions, but not really. Uh, and uh, and in particular, it doesn't work for commitment transactions because you while you have a single input, the uh, the commitment transaction represents the full state of uh, of the uh, of the agreement, and so it has. It might have two outputs, one for for you and one for me, plus any HLC that we attach to it. Um, whereas the update in, in L2 is really just there to ratchet forward and make sure that we are making progress in time. And the actual state is then represented by a settlement transaction that is separate from, uh, from the updates. Okay, yeah. All right. 
Um, so this sounds great. What needs to happen? This is a soft fork, right? Yeah. So, so it's a soft fork on top of Taproot now. Or? Exactly. Uh, so it it has always been a soft fork. Um, though I when when I wrote the first version back then, still called No Input, it uh, was basically it it was not integrated with Taproot because back then we didn't know how long it would take to to activate Taproot. Turns out we were really quick with that. And so uh, AJ, uh, AJ Towns came along and, and basically took uh, the idea of no input, renamed it AnyPrevout, and, uh, and integrated it closely with Taproot. So there's now a couple of uh, features that, re that are really nice that weren't present in, in the original uh, proposal. Uh, namely, you, can, uh, you now have two SIG hash flags, which can turn on or off different parts of the transactions being covered by a signature. And so there is a lot of flexibility that we that we get uh, get from this uh, from the soft fork, and uh, we already have a couple of, of proposals of uh, systems that we could build with that. Cool. Well, uh, anything else you want to add to this uh, brief explanation? Uh, any we want to go into controversies, or you want to just stick to the explanation, and we'll see how it goes, or. Yeah, I think it's uh, in, in my mind it, uh, it 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 is such a uh, it is a much cleaner way to build off-chain contracts in general because it it is a very clean update mechanism where we uh, where we can just say okay we had an agreement now we have a new one and we invalidate the old one by basically overriding it or providing the ability to override when it when it comes to it. Um, lightning penalties might be attractive because it uh, it it sort of uh, has strong punishments for uh, for misbehavior and so has strong incentives to to be well behaved however everybody likes to penalize until they're the ones being penalized yep. right um and so we we often focus so much more on uh, on the uh on the on punishing the bad guys rather than helping people who are really just well they're trying to restore from a backup which is already quite traumatic and then we uh, we make them risk losing their funds as well. So, um, yeah. Well, it sounds like it makes in general the this change makes it a lot simpler. Like also, you don't have double like normally when you have an update. I have a transaction and you have a transaction that are sort of each other's mirror image. Um, and that goes away. Like there's just one transaction. It's yeah. not a mirror of transactions. Um, yeah. You only need to store one piece of information, namely the latest state. And it's okay if you don't. Yeah, exactly. So it, it sounds a lot simpler. The downside could be that this maybe this punishment is needed. Now yeah. I, I do know, uh, like you know, I work on this ForkMonitor.info website, and it one of the things it tracks is penalty transactions on the Lightning Network, yeah. and they're very rare, and they're usually quite trivial amounts. So that to me suggests that it the mechanism really has not been used ever been used um, like for a serious retaliation. Well, um, it it might be because it's a good threat, right? Yeah. So that's the question. It, then is it because nobody wants to attack, or because it's a really, I mean, one, it could be very good protection indeed. It could also just be that we are now in a happy kumbaya state of things, you know, uh, and maybe one day, you know, Bitcoin wants to assume that maybe one day won't we won't be in a kumbaya state and people will be trying to attack or or at least you know either drain the resources of a node or. Um, or otherwise misbehave. But from my understanding is you could, in th principle, still add a penalty mechanism on top of L2. Yeah, so right? so, so, so I, I totally agree. We, we should, definitely shouldn't base our security on the assumption that everybody's well-behaved. 
because then I mean, what's the point? Um, we we do we do have a tendency to be very uh, sort of uh, defensive thinkers, and and I think that's when it comes to to money and and somebody's livelihood. That's that's probably the best way to approach it. Um, it's not totally free to to misbehave in in L two either. Uh, like I mentioned before, you actually have to bring your own fees whenever you perform any on-chain action. It's up to you to decide how much fees to to attach uh, and and what your sort of time horizon is, and that will inform how many fees you attach. But uh, you will you are the one that has to attach fees. So every time you try to do something uh, in L two that uh, that might have uh, consequences uh, like like going back in uh, in in the history of of our channel, uh, you will have to bring fees with you, and you will spend those fees to to get your state yeah. in, started on uh, on the blockchain. Um, but if it's not the latest state, you are basically already giving your your opponent the the opportunity to react to it. And what you've just done is waste a couple of fees. Uh, and waste a couple of bytes in the blockchain for which the fee paid, right? Mm -hmm. And so um, you should always be incentivized to only ever produce the last state. Um, and while not as sort of deadly as uh, as Ellen penalty, where you lose all of your funds, a fee can still hurt, especially when uh, when we have congested mempools. Yeah, and and unless you really know for sure that your opponent is offline. Like it's you probably are wasting that fee if you're just arbitrarily trying this attack on everybody you know, like you yeah it's kind of wasteful because you have to pay a fee every time you try to attack. Exactly, um, and and I mean since we make retaliation really really cheap by basically making watchtowers constant memory uh, instead of this this ever increasing set of uh, transactions a watchtower has to remember, uh, we make it more likely that you m might have a watchtower, and maybe that threat alone is uh, is enough. To make it not worthwhile trying to uh, to even uh, to even attempt a cheat. So, yeah, it's it's basically I I always compare it to to being decapitated outright, which is LM penalty versus death by a thousand cuts, which is smaller, less hurtful, but it will still be deadly if you do it often enough. Yeah, okay, that sounds about right. Okay, um, okay, when is this uh, gonna launch? Ah, uh, two weeks, of course. Two weeks. All right, that sounds good. I think uh, we can wrap it up with that. Uh, do you want people to reach you, or do you want people to leave you alone? Uh, definitely reach me. Uh, I'm uh, S-N-Y-K-E on, uh, on Twitter, Snike, and C. Decker almost everywhere else. So. And you hang out on various mailing lists? All of them. Though okay. I, I, like many others, keep lagging on, on reading those mailing lists. But uh, yeah, I if know. something catches my eyes, I will definitely, I will definitely jump in there and reply. Okay, because where is where, where would you say the development is happening now? Um, is it just being up, like updating the BIP or arguing about the BIP or? So uh, I mostly spend my time on the on the Lightning specification. Uh, so that's uh, that's the Lightning mailing list, the GitHub for uh, for the Lightning spec, and of course our various implementations. Um, and uh, the any prevout uh, discussion is mostly happening on the uh, on the BIP itself. Uh, so BIP 118, and uh, and of course, if you have an idea and just want to bounce that idea off of people, uh, the mailing list is always a good place to to sort of learn about prior art or get feedback about how to structure it better. This is the Bitcoin Dev mailing list. The Bitcoin Dev yeah. mailing list, yeah. All right. Well then, uh, thanks for uh, joining me. 
And uh, thank you for listening to Bitcoin Explained. Thank you.